For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, welcome to our Friday show. Uh, We have been talking to Dr. Thomas all this week, and we've talked about a a whole host of issues and covered a lot of ground. And could, as we were just saying a minute ago, we could have spent a lot more time uh, on that discussion yesterday. Uh, but uh, today we'll close out talking about books. One thing we have emphasized on this podcast is the importance of, of reading, uh, that as Christians we cannot overemphasize the importance of word as God chose words to uh, reveal himself to us through scriptures. And so we are to be a people of the word. Uh, and so uh, with that being said, Dr. Thomas, outside of the Bible, uh, what, what's been some of the most influential books uh, in your life, as well as uh, what are some books you're currently reading? Well, one book changed my life completely, uh, and that was the book I read when I was 18. Uh, and and in my first semester at university, um, a friend put into my hands John Stott's basic Christianity. And I didn't know John Stott from Adam. Uh, and I'd never read a Christian book, to be honest. And uh, I read it, and within a matter of days, I was a Christian. Mm. And so, so that book has um, an enormous um, sentimental value to me uh, as a book that literally changed my life hmm. uh, and turned it completely around uh, and th- through which I discovered the gospel. Hmm. Um, and I suppose the second book would be uh, Jim Packer's Knowing God, um, you know, that, that every Christian says he's read. And, uh, uh, but I remember, I, I remember reading it for the first time. Uh, it was a hardback edition. And uh, it was given to me by an elder uh, when I was a college student and uh, as a Christmas present. And uh, I was introduced to the attributes of God um, and introduced to it in, you know, Packer packs his words and, and he's a wordsmith. And sometimes his, his style of writing can be can be dense and, and prolix, and uh, but I I was drawn to it. I I loved it. I still love it. I've read probably everything that Packer's ever written. Uh, but but knowing God was a fundamental um, life changer in that it introduced me to the importance of God and 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 his character, his attributes. Um, you know, when I was a college student, uh, we studied, I remember, in the InterVarsity Fellowship Christian Union, the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. And we were using Stephen Charnock, the Puritan's book, as a, as a sort of backdrop. Uh, 
unimaginable, I suppose, today that that you know a group of college students would be studying a, a Puritan tome on the communicable and incommunicable <laughs> attributes of God. Uh, but I've never forgotten it. And it's been, you know, th- these are the categories still by which I, I think about God. Um, God is, a, uh, uh, is to be understood in these, in these terms. Uh, the third book that I suppose I've had a lifelong relationship with, at least in, in my Christian life, uh, would be Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And I made it something of an obsession, I suppose, in that I, I read Pilgrim's Progress every year and, and have done since the 80s. And uh, I, I did a, a, a 17, I think it was 17 lesson DVD for Ligonier in their teaching ministry on Pilgrim's Progress, parts one and part two. And for everybody who's read part one, only only one in a hundred have read part two, uh, the story of Christiana and the four boys, which in many respects is a more important book than part one, hmm. in that it's a more general book. Part one, I think, is about is autobiographical. And um, I love Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress for many reasons. Not not least, it's a road trip story. It's a cracking good story. <laughs> But it's it's also deeply memorable, and the the use uh, that he makes uh, of allegory uh, in the book um, is something I think that our generation today is familiar with in terms of Lord of the Rings or the Narnia Chronicles or or. Perhaps um, and Harry Potter and, and so on, you know. But uh, but certainly Lord of the Rings and, and the Narnia Chronicles, and and that that genre has a unique way of embedding itself, um, and, and possibly it's a left brain right brain thing that you remember the stories, uh, perhaps, and because these and these stories teach very very important truths. So there isn't. There isn't an issue today in church life that isn't illustrated in some way or another in Pilgrim's Progress. And and some of the most memorable moments that I've had in pastoral ministry have actually been, let me remind you of something Bunyan wrote in Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, it, it's a little sad. I, I usually do a little, a little thing in a seminary class asking seminary students how many of them have read Pilgrim's Progress and to discover usually that's only one or two out of, you know, 25. Um, and that's probably the first time since 1688 um, from the first publication of Pilgrim's Progress that there's a generation of people who don't read it anymore because it was the most published book apart from the Bible in the English language until recently and deserves to be there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just two questions there. One is letting people, reminding people, we're going to get all the links of um, everything we mentioned on this podcast up on the site so people can check that out at rym.org. To ask you about your um, series you did with Ligonier, is that available in audio as well? Can people download those lectures um, from iTunes or anything like that? Yes, I think. 
uh, RefNet. Uh, there's an app, RefNet, and um, yes, is the. Uh, another book, you know, another book for me that was hugely significant is because I ended up doing a PhD on Calvin, and that's Calvin's Institutes. Now, I read Calvin's Institutes for the first time as a as a seminary student, and I, I actually found it tough going. In in that, there was no help given to me to read it, and and it is actually a book that requires several keys in order that you can unlock it properly. So, so I think that, and now I teach a seminary course on the institutes where I, I try to provide these keys that make reading the book a lot more valuable. B because it's a book that's completely out of shape in that Calvin kept adding to bits of it throughout his life. So there are bits of it that are way longer than other bits. Because basically, the bits that are added to were bits that were controversial in the 16th century. Um, so, so, so it's a it's a book that's expanded in all possibly the wrong directions. So you need to understand that when you're reading it, and it's hard to read from cover to cover in one sitting. But it is still, you know, among the top three, four theological treatises ever written and remains so. Uh, and Calvin's understanding of doctrine and his understanding, not just of election and predestination, but his understanding of the Holy Spirit and his understanding of the application of redemption, his understanding of uh, the work, the personal work of Christ, uh, his, his fundamental importance of the church. I mean, all of these are truths that Calvin uh, taught me, I think. Um, and continues to, to teach me. Uh, I still read the Institutes on a regular basis and still find new things in it all the time. Amazed by the fact that he wrote this when he was 27 years old uh, and he was nobody. Nobody knew who he was. Wow. Uh, jumping back real quick to the Pilgrim Pro Progress, um, Pilgrim's Progress, when when I hear people say, you know, they have a book that they read at least once a year, j just out of curiosity, do you have a certain time every year where you know, okay, this is the month I'm going to read it? Do you put that down or is it just a season that comes along and you think, I'm going to pick it up and read it now? It's a long plane ride. So if, if I'm making an overseas trip on a plane, I, I have it on my e-reader. E and um, so I've, I've just come back from uh, the Far East and um, I was on a 17-hour plane ride back and forth. So uh, I, I read it then. Um, but yeah, you know, or summer vacations. And I've not, I've, I've not been good about reading current sort of novels and stuff. I, I read very, very few of them. In fact, I, I'm not even sure if I read any uh, at all. Um, you know, and there are other books that, that have been important to me and not least, you know, John Owen's Mortification of Sin, which I read as a college student and uh, was just completely blown away by it. Um, and still, still remember bits of it, um, and I have sentences, you know, that are on uh, 
on uh, boards that are hanging in my office and and at home and um, yeah. And then you were asking me about books that I was currently yes, reading. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Well, on my desk, um, I, I'm a. I buy a lot of books, and I, uh, you know, my desk is always cluttered with books, and um, I, I can't remember the last time I read a book from cover to cover, you know, without stopping. Uh, that that's only that only happens infrequently, and I, I dip in and out of books, uh, a lot, and and I usually have half a dozen going at any one time. And, and these are books that I'm reading for pleasure, perhaps more than for a project. You know, they're not books I'm reading because I'm preaching a series of sermons or I'm writing a book about something or an article about something. So, uh, and I try to read outside of my comfort zone. So I'm reading David Bentley Hart, uh, his book, The Beauty of the Infinite, uh, basically because I'm intrigued by his understanding of aesthetics. And he's a he's a Eastern Orthodox guy, and I don't agree with some of the things he says. And, and, and But he's coming at it from such a different perspective to the one that I come at it. It helps me, even when I disagree, I, I think it helps me sharpen the view that I have by by making myself read something. And it's not, e it's not easy reading, for sure. Um, I'm reading James Dolezal's uh, little paperback, All That Is In God, which is, I think, a very, very important text for our time because it's about the defense of God's immutability and aseity, uh, 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 a, a really a defense of classical theism. But again, it's not an easy book to read. Um, I love music, so I'm I'm reading a brand new biography of the German uh, conductor Wilhelm Furtwängler, uh, and partly because is he conducted the Berlin Philharmonic during the time of the Nazi era, you know, and and he certainly was friends with a lot of some very bad people for sure. Uh, and no doubt was himself um, a sympathizer, to be sure. But uh, a very profound musician and a profound personality. Uh, and reading his biography helps me understand a little bit of 20th century Europe and, and the trend that led to secularization. Mm. That's good. Dr. Thomas, I know you have a lot on your plate, um, and so I, I want to let you go just as I do that. Is there a current book you're working on, a book project you have set for release? Well, I'm just sort of signing the the contract uh, on a book on worship. I, I it, you know, does the church need another book on worship? There are hundreds of books on worship. Um, but I, I felt that there was a need for, for us as a congregation to answer the question, why do we worship the way we do? And I'm not interested in attacking anybody else's point of view or 
or you know becoming so nasty about it i just want to explain why do we do things this way uh and uh ref trust uh, ligonius uh, publishing arm uh and so that's probably the next book um long term you know when i retire i i want to write something on christology but um but that'll be my 29th book, I think, on worship. Wow. Well, congrats. And yeah, thank you for, for writing those as well. I've been uh, blessed by many of those and uh, I've been blessed by this conversation as I know others will be. So thank you again for taking this much time out with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come without pain